Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Jamie, and I'm your host every week of this show. And if you're new to the Happy Hour, welcome. If you've listened to every show, welcome back again. I'm so glad you're here. The Happy Hour is a podcast where I bring a girlfriend on every week and we chat. We chat about the little things, the big things, and everything in between. It's literally like you're sitting on a conversation with two women, and it's just fun, and you will find yourself engaging, laughing, crying, nodding along. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. Today's guest is a good friend of mine named Tasha Morrison. I met Tasha about a year ago when she put together a group for a racial reconciliation group, and I got invited. And I have loved every single minute I've spent with her. Tasha is a bridge builder. She's a reconciler, a fellow abolitionist, and a compelling voice in the fight against human trafficking. Tasha uses her voice to encourage racial reconciliation among all ethnicities and to promote racial unity in America. She has an unwavering passion to develop others to do the same. Our conversation is much needed in our world today, and I hope that as you listen, that you come to this conversation um, with a piece of humility and with a piece of just saying, I want to be a part of this conversation. Someone texted me the other day about something that happened in McKinney, and we were texting about back and forth about it. And they're like, what do we do? And I said, well, Jesus is the answer. That's the answer right there. Jesus is the answer. But I also said, what we can do is we can acknowledge it, and we can listen, and we can hear our brothers and sisters cry and say, something's not right. And instead of pointing fingers, we can say, I'm going to sit and listen with you. And then I'm going to stand up with you, and I'm going to stand beside you. So as you listen... I pray that God stirs in your hearts stuff that maybe you haven't thought about before. And so this is a tough conversation to have, but I'm thankful that you're going to have it with us. So I'd love any feedback that you have from our conversation. As always, you can find me at jamieivy.com. You can find me on Instagram at jamieivy, and my Twitter is jamie underscore ivy. Today's show is sponsored by Fund the Nations. And Fund the Nations helps people fundraise for their adoption, mission trip, or cause by creating custom, low-cost t-shirts for them to sell. Their custom design work is always free, and they set it up where you pre-sell the shirts. So whether you sell 25 or 250, you're guaranteed to make money off of it because every shirt you purchase has already been paid for. They work with organizations like Compassion International, Lifeline Children's Services, and thousands of families just like yours. This year, I actually worked with Fund the Nations, and they helped me create a shirt for our family to travel to Spain. And they were so wonderful to work with. So easy. They emailed me to check up on everything. They give you like a personal person that works with you. It was the easiest way I've ever sold shirts. And I've sold a lot of t-shirts in my lifetime for fundraisers. Fund the Nations this year has helped people raise over $1 million in fundraising. And they'd love to help you fundraise for what you're fundraising for. If you want more information on Fund the Nations, check out my website, jamieivy.com. And all the information will be there. Guys, I want to say thank you to a couple people who have um, sent me tweets on Twitter. I love seeing that, guys. It's so much fun to interact with you. Heather Dreamin said, you saved me today. Terrible commute gave me time to catch up on the happy hour. Thank you. Heather, I'm so glad that I could be with you on your commute. Um, Jessica Morales said, jotting down book titles and Goodreads at every red light listening to part two of the happy hour with Emily Lex. We did talk about a lot of books, but let me tell you guys, you don't need to get in a wreck and jot things down. Check out my webpage. I put all the links up there for you, jamieivy.com. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for all you do for the show. Thanks for telling your friends. I've seen so many people lately on Instagram putting pictures up and talking about the show, and I love it because it gets more people listening, and we want more people at the happy hour because I have amazing guests. That's what makes this show is the guests, and so thank you to them. So without further ado, here is my friend Tasha and our conversation today. Hey guys, this is Latasha Morrison. Hi, welcome to the happy hour. Hi, how you doing? Okay, so I'm going to call you Tasha. Okay, that's great. Your name is Latasha. Yes. But what do you introduce yourself as? I introduce myself as Latasha, which confuses a lot of people. And then I start referring to myself as (laughs) Tasha. Right, and they're like, wait, I thought your name was Latasha. And I just realized moving to Austin because people... You know, I'm meeting new people and they didn't grow up with me. So I'm learning how I'm really confusing people by doing that. So I'm starting to introduce myself as Tasha. And I also put on my social media um, outlets, you know, I'm putting Tasha because it confuses people. I know. It's like I have friends that her name, I call her Jen, but she introduces herself to people as Jennifer. 
And so I always wonder if it's a thing like once you get to really know her, then you get to call her Jen. Or yeah. once I get to really know you, then I get to call you Tasha. I, I think don't know. that's what happens. I think that's what happens because naturally people just begin calling me Tasha. Yeah. It's what it, it's what it always goes to. Okay, <laughs> Tasha. So yeah. tell every, give everybody like a 30 second spill of who you are and what you do. That's a lot, oh, but you know. I know. <laughs> In 30 seconds. Yeah, okay. tell us who you are, what you do. <laughs> Okay, my name is Latasha, and I'm actually a um, children's, by trade, I am a children's pastor at a church here in Austin, um, Texas, and I, I'm, I'm also starting an organization called Be the Bridge, um, which is basically an organization designed to equip and train bridge builders for racial unity. I love it. So, and yeah, that's a new met, thing. That's a new thing, and I love it. It's like what you're meant to do. I... When did we meet? A year ago, I guess. Did we meet at the very first meeting that we went to, or had we met before then? I think we met, I want to say, you know what? I think that was the first time we met was last May. It's been like right at a year. So last May, and I guess maybe Jenny invited me um, to this racial reconciliation group. I've talked about it on my blog. I've talked about it on this podcast before, Um, and that's where I met Tasha. Yeah. You're like the leader of the group, aren't you? Kind of, yes. <laughs> you see, this is the thing. This is the funny thing. It started out as, you know, just we saw a need yeah. and we saw uh, some gaps uh-huh. and we saw blind spots and we just really wanted to come together and do stuff. So it's just really a group of friends coming together to do something um, just so that we could be a credible witness um, for God's kingdom. And basically, you do need a leader in the group. And we have a lot of leaders in the group. I mean, the group is full of leaders. I mean, you're in there. I agree. <laughs> Everybody in there is a leader in what they're doing. Yes. Right, right. And so but we just really saw, um, I really saw the need to to keep the conversation going. Or when you start something, it can easily lose steam if there's no one taking the uh, the initiative to lead in it and keeping the conversation going. And I really, because I'm so passionate about it and I'm a natural leader, I just kind of took the charge. So I don't think we, we, we never assigned a leader, but it just ended up being a leader. We never voted on you, but I vote for you now. <laughs> um, so this group, I remember, I remember, I, I'm sure, it, I think it was Jenny that invited me. And I remember when she did, I was super excited because mm-hmm. if this is your first time to listen to my show, I have four kids and three of them through adoption and all three of those are black. And so as a white mom, this was a really exciting thing for me because I'm like, yes, I need this. I need this encouragement. I need this knowledge. I need this information. I need this sisterhood working together. Um, But Tasha, I'll tell you what, I was so nervous before our first meeting. You know why I was nervous? There's always this fear that you're going to say something that you mean one way and it's going to come across another way. You know what I mean? I think we all have that fear, but yes, I can sense that in the room. Oh my gosh, yeah. You could cut a knife with it. <laughs> so we, so tell everybody um, what, because people are going to listen to what we're doing here, and we'll get okay. to this at the end about how they can do it. But tell okay. us what, I guess I want everyone to know, what was the goal for this group? What was the purpose, and how did we okay. do it? So t- walk us through that real quick. I I truly believe that one of the ways to um, to build bridges um, of racial unity is to establish um, friendships with people who are of a different race. And so, what I've noticed um, also in moving here to Austin is is for me that comes naturally as a minority that comes naturally because you are the minority. So you are often put in um, situations where you have to build those relationships in many cases, in many cases through your job, through your school, or in some way you have to interact with someone that is of a different race with you. What I found that was different for a lot of people and the majority for a lot of white people mainly is that you don't 
necessarily have to do that. Right, you know, right. um, a lot of times, you know, we've gone to it depends on where you live in the country, you know, your school, your college, your workplace, your church, all of those things could be predominantly white. And so that just lends to a lot of assumptions. So if you don't know something about someone, you can have a lot of assumptions because you have never interacted or had an authentic relationship with someone of a different race. And so the goal was to really to connect us, to create a safe place where people of different races could come and there was grace given to, you know, ask those questions and say, you know what, you know what, I feel safe. I trust you. You know my heart. This may sound a little racist, but hear me, but, and then ask your question, you know, and that's all right when you're in those safe environments. But what happens, a lot of us don't have um, those friendships in our life. And I think that's really important um, to create that. And sometimes you have to be really strategic and intentional to do that. So what I hear you saying, Tasha, is that without friends that look different than you, your assumption of anyone that's different from you is just what you see on TV. Exactly. And that's what I tend to hear a lot because, um, you know, especially as an African-American, we're grouped as a collective group, you know, and, you know, so one black person did it. They all did. Right. 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 And then even in our mindset and a lot of times in our worldview, um, although that's not true, we can we do the same thing because like there there could be an incident that happens and I'm sitting up there like oh please don't let him be black please don't let him be black you know right. and which is really sad because we are you know the media does that and and, and so we play into to that but that goes really deep and that's entrenched in our um, just in our the foundation of our country but it's different for you um, you're seen as an individual. You know, Um, so when you have, you know, mass shootings, you know, given an example with mass shootings, you know, those are done predominantly by um, white men. But we're not saying, you know what, they need to do something with 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 all their white men. They're shooting. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's true. It's so true. Yeah. I think something, too, that I've noticed just after we started this last May, and then just everything that's happened in our country in the last couple of, I mean, oh a year. I mean, it's been, it's been crazy. But I think what I sense the most and what this has been such a godsend for me is that I will never be black. It's, it's just never going to happen. Um, really? Really. <laughs> I mean, I do get pretty dark in the summer. I'll give you that. But I will you do, JB. <laughs> I know. But I will never be a black woman in America. And so what it has done for me, it has allowed me to sit and listen and hear this is what it's like and Mm. not just assume anything and not just take what I see on TV. It has allowed me to sit and listen. And I'll give you an example. I said this when we did our little little roundtable at the IF Gathering this year, but I think it was our very first meeting or one of the first ones. Mm -hmm. Someone asked us, to share a time where you saw or experienced racism. Yeah. And we everyone's going around the circle and everyone in the room that was a minority and it's not just um, black women. So everyone in the room that was a that is of a minority culture in our country had a story mm-hmm. about a time they had experienced racism. And I remember it got to me and I thought I have absolutely nothing to say. Like I've never been discriminated upon just because of what I look like ever. Um, And that was really like, not because I know that. Hello, I'm an educated woman. I know that. But it was to sit there with friends in a circle and hear their stories and for me to really go, wow, like I cannot understand this because I've never experienced it. Right. And I think you were just able to step in our shoes. And these are people, we are people who over the few, you know, the months that we've gotten to know each other, we've come to to know each other and love each other. And so when you start, when you stop and you start listening to the stories of other people, you there's empathy that starts happening where you understand and you see through a different lens and some of the blind spots that maybe perhaps that you had, um, the scales start falling off. And that's a painful thing because, you know, we all have different stories. And so my story may, is totally different from my friend who grew up in, in Florida protesting at um, Klan rallies and oh, we're the wow. same age. So it depends on where you grew up, you know, 
how your experiences are. There may be some people that are um, white, but they've experienced discrimination in some kind of way, depending on where they grew up. So it's just good, I think, to listen to the stories of others and to not think just because you haven't experienced it, that it's not happening. That's true. That is that is good. Just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean it's not happening. Right. And I think that is something that I feel like a lot of um, majority people in our country need to be willing to say. Just right. because you're not experiencing it doesn't mean it's not happening. And I think that's what I hear the most and what I have learned the most as a mom to black children is to be able to acknowledge that I don't understand it, but this could happen to my children. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wrote a blog um, about raising black boys. And, oh, yeah. and, and actually, the, the friend I talk about on the blog is, is you, um, right. without putting your name. But um, <laughs> I had this moment where we were at the MLK parade marching downtown. It was just beautiful and wonderful. It was a wonderful day. And it was so wonderful in Austin. I mean, remember that day? It was so beautiful. Yeah, it was and pretty, yeah. How many people marched in that parade? I'm, it was thousands. It was a lot. It was a lot of people. You know Exaggerate. So I missed the meetup with you guys. Y'all met early and we skipped that right. and had breakfast at home. But I took the kids <laughs> down there and we stood basically on the side and watched everybody walk by. And then we jumped in a minute and finished it off. But mm-hmm. we were standing there and I had this moment and I told you about this later. And um, we're standing there and there's a group march- marching down and they said, um, we're Trayvon Martin, or and they started listing off all of these names from the past year that we have seen in the media so much. And Deacon looked up at me, my nine-year-old, who we adopted domestically and is biracial, and he said, who, who are they talking about? And I remember in that moment, I thought, I, I can't tell, I don't want to tell him who they're talking about. I can't tell him, because I don't want this to happen to them. Um, and so I remember I talked to you, and and you were so wonderful, and, and I don't remember what I wrote that you said, but you, you were basically like, "We edu- it's part of raising kids. You educate yeah. them about everything. And yeah. um, But I have a question for you that I'm going to ask you about that because I just wrote about this. And this is, the, this is the, the drawback that I get most of the time when I talk about that is okay. someone left a comment and said, but aren't you setting your kids up to like fear people or setting them up to think people are going to be against them? You, you hear that argument, what yeah. I'm saying? So that would be the number one pushback that I get. And I have my own thoughts and comments about that. But what do you say to that? I would say we prepare our kids for everything. You know, you're, you're teaching your kids to to eat right. You're teaching your kids the dangers of, of stranger danger, you know, not to talk to strangers um, or not to go anywhere with someone that they don't know. Um, we're teaching our kids to look both ways before they cross the street. We're teaching our kids, you know, um, hopefully not to have sex, you know, before they get married or to protect themselves if they make that decision or to come to you. You know, so there's a lot of things that we're teaching our kids. And so what to me, we live in, I think we want to, we have false pretense in the sense we live in a world that we sometimes don't want to believe that we live in. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a part of acknowledgement and awareness and saying, Hey, you know what? Everybody's not treated, treated, um, fairly, but God has created you. He loves you. You know, you're not a mistake. You know, you're created in his image, Mm -hmm. but sometimes other people don't see that. Mm -hmm. And that's what we call, and you know, and so it's just basically, that's what we call sin. Mm -hmm. It's just sin. And so we teach our kids about other sins and this is, this sin is no different. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Erin and I were talking about that after I got this comment and, and I just pulled it up and she said, um, and she was so gracious in her wording. I mean, she wasn't yeah, being hateful yeah. at all. It's not to understand that you don't want them to fear, like, somebody's after me because I'm black. Or, uh-huh. you know, you don't want that. But the balance of anything that you teach your kids, you're teaching them, okay, this could happen, but this is what we want you to know about this. And just reaffirming who they are and whose they are, you know, but just making sure that they're aware. Because sometimes kids grow up and they're oblivious, Oh, girl, when you sent me that article, so I linked this in my blog, and you can go to jamieivy.com, it's there, but you had sent me an article, and it was about grown people, they're in their 20s now, and they um, were all people of color and had been raised and adopted by white people, so, right. but what happened is their parents hadn't prepared them for this, they live in this um, protective bubble, and then they get into the real world, and it was the first time they ever experienced any of this, or saw this happening, mm-hmm. and it 
was really, really hard for them. And I remember reading that thinking, okay, I don't want that to happen. I don't want my kids to show up at college and find, I mean, and experience something for the first time that I hadn't let them know might happen. I was talking with a girlfriend about my girlfriend of mine yesterday at church about this. And she told me this, I don't know if your mom used to do this. She is a, a black woman. So she said, when she was a little girl, her mom used to tell her, if you're going sh- when she was a teenager, if you're going shopping and you brought that and you and you bought a dress from Coles, don't wear it into Coles. They might think you stole it. Or when you come in, like make sure you don't have a bunch of bags or something. And I'm like, I your mom your told in your pockets. Yeah, I said your mom told you that, and she said, yeah, she just wanted me to know what might happen. She wasn't trying to scare me. She wanted me to be prepared. Did your mom ever do anything like that? She didn't do anything like that as far as what I wore, but I remember um, when we would go in the store, um, you know, we couldn't put our hands in our pockets. You she know, told so you that? Was, yeah. Did and she so, say why? Well, I think it's just so nobody would think that you're stealing something because people get um, pulled over, or, you know, if they're walking, um, especially um, black males, if they have their hands in their pocket, you know, um, because I guess it's suspicious looking. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in the store and you have your hands in your pocket. So those were some of the things um, I was kind of oblivious to a lot of things until I went to college. You know, right. that was probably the first time that I started facing things that were what w- that were a little different. And just maybe a little bit in high school when I realized everyone didn't think the same when I tried to lead off a of Black History Month in my predominantly white school. So when and that conversation <laughs> we, we were uh, we, I was in a leadership class and it was basically uh, we would run all the um um, anything related to our our school as it related to leadership, um, class presidents and all that. We were kind of the governing class that did that. And so one of the things I noticed is that, you know, I went to a predominantly white school, but, you know, there was quite a few, I think it was probably about 13% African-American uh-huh. there. And we also had a, um, probably at least about a 5 6% Indian population um, in, in North Carolina. And I just wanted to, I noticed that there was just, we didn't learn anything in history as it related to African-American history. And I saw that lack. And I remember at the church that my grandmother went to, they would always have a Black history um, play. And I thought it would be a great idea to have a Black History Month because it was Black History Month to actually talk about Black Uh history at school. And um, so I proposed in a meeting um, that we do that. And I just, you know, and I would. I was just oblivious that I had no idea that anyone would object to that. You know, I mean, so I went in, you know, (laughs) just finally, just ready. Like, you know, we could do this. And, and I remember all the opposition. And these are people that um, that I hung with. These were my friends that had no idea um, or any concept. And I remember this one kid said, well, you know what? I'm half Italian. We don't have a ha- Italian month. And I was... Uh, and I just remember, I didn't, I wish I would have known then what I know now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I remember um, because I was, there was only one other, I think, African-American in the class. We didn't even know how to defend it, right. you know, mm-hmm. and um, we didn't know what to say. All I know is I felt really bad. I felt like, um, I just remember that feeling. And I remember I went to the lunchroom and you know how the lunchroom is always divided by races mm-hmm. and, you know, in a lot of schools. And so I remember I sat at the black table that day <laughs> and I remember talking about it and they wanted to call it. So the next day I went back in and instead of calling it black history month, we called it brotherhood month. Okay. And so we incorporated um, Indian heritage. Um, And so it it was a compromise, you know, it was a compromise, but uh, we didn't get to call it what we wanted it, but we got to do what we wanted to do. And so, so, you know, so that was just a, you know, we had to do it a different way, but, you know, just having to put our heads together on how we, how can we accomplish this? And, um, and it turned out to be a successful thing. And, out of that, a gospel choir at our school started that went on for several years after um, I graduated. That's awesome. You know, I had a gospel choir at my wedding. <laughs> you did? Mm-hmm. I just thought about that. <laughs> it's kind of random, but I did. Wait a minute. That is what random. What did they sing? Let me think about this. I want to hear about this. I'm gonna have to, I'll have to pull up some video. You know, my wedding's only on VHS, and who has a VCR anymore? Nobody. <laughs> 
I have been one. I've, I've, yeah, I've been dropping hints to Aaron to get my wedding, our wedding video put on a DVD for the past seven yeah. anniversaries. He has not yet do it. You can do it easily. I know. I want him to do it to show how much he loves me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> He'll never listen to this podcast either. Because I really need to. I really need to see. Oh, I need you to see uh, it. What I want did they to sing? That. I'm gonna have to ask Aaron what they sang. Oh my! I goodness. came down the aisle to bagpipes. Okay. Come okay. down mount. It was very beautiful. Okay. I want to see this. I got to see this, Jamie. <laughs> we need to have a Jamie um, wedding watch party. Uh, wouldn't that be fun, right? <laughs> watch party. <laughs> you guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Okay, Tasha, a lot of people are going to be listening and thinking, this sounds really intriguing, this little group that Mm -hmm. we're talking about here. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, it is... um, it's very intriguing for people that are listening, I'm sure, um, and probably a little intimidating as well. Mm-hmm. If someone's thinking, I want to do this, but where do I start? Like, do I just go find the first person that looks different from me? If I'm, like, black, do I just go find the first white woman and say, hey, let's be friends? Or if I'm white, do I find the first Indian woman and say, hey, let's be friends? How does someone do this without being well, he- weird? Yeah, because if you come and approach it like that, they right. may run out. Yeah. But this is the thing. This is the thing. What do you I would, call I would it your, say- uh, Token black friend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, w- well, you have to start somewhere. And so if you start with that, some, sometimes you may have that token friend. But then after a while, if you've been friends with that person for a while, you have to ask yourself, okay, why don't I know more people? Or why am I I'm not me? Why haven't I integrated myself into that person's life where I have other friends of different races? Um, so you can start off with a token friend, but you don't want to stay there, you know? And, and nobody so, and wants to stay as your token friend yeah, either. I mean, that goes either both way. ways. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I would say, you know, um, and this is the thing. Everybody's not ready to have this conversation. And so just because they're a minority, it doesn't mean that they're ready to have this conversation. I have plenty of girlfriends who say, like, I'm not just ready. I've invited them to groups and they're like, I can't. can't." Like, it's too painful for them. It's, you know, or they feel uncomfortable or they feel like they may say the wrong thing or they may not extend enough grace. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they don't want to be involved in the conversation. But I, I think sometimes the Lord brings people around, you know, and so... The pl- I would say the first place you should start is church, but we know that Sunday is the most segregated hour, so we can't really start there. But I would say um, even talking to people who know other people who may be interested in having the conversation. Um, we have a Facebook group online, and there's people th- that have connected through the Be The Bridge Facebook group who have started groups in like Atlanta and several other places. Um, so I would say look at your, your kid's school. 
you know, um, you know, the PTA meetings or the carpool line, um, the extracurricular activities that your kids do, you know, who's going there, you know, start venturing out, you know, maybe start shopping in a different um, shopping center, you know, if, if, depending on where you live, cross over the railroad tracks or go Uh-oh, to another other side uh, of the tracks. Go visit another church, go visit a church that, and this is not just for, um, I'm addressing this to to white people, but are to, you know, but this is for even minorities, Asian, Latino, for, you know, to step outside. The church that I go to is a predominantly white church. And so everybody, that is a hard task to do because, I mean, basically you're pioneering and that is very difficult. So a lot of times you'll find it easier for a minority to go to a predominantly um, majority church, but it's very difficult for a majority to go to a minority church. Uh, I hear a lot that it happens in the North um, in New York and um, all those different places. But I was just to say, start where you are. Um, if not, start online, you know, join, um, start adding people on Facebook who who look different from you, who have a different message from you, maybe some people that have different views from you, political views or whatever, to start stretching yourself and challenging yourself to think differently. So, you know, start reading books by um, African-American authors or Latino authors or Asian authors, Um, you know, start looking at, you know, some TV that maybe that you, that you're not the main focus in, you know, like that, you know, turn on, um, I want to say B E T, but every time I think about the word B E T, I think about our friend, Jessica, <laughs> who, um, <laughs> we were ta- having this discussion and the st- instead of saying B E T, she was like, what's bet? I was like, what, what bet was? <laughs> and it was so oh, cute. And so funny. And she was so sincere. Um, hey, but, but just you know, recently she was watching some BET. She, she told was. me. Yep. She was. She was. And she's been watching um, Blackish also. Yep. She's, you know, so even start there. You can just start there, you know, with um, just some small steps. And you, this is not going to happen overnight. You know, my journey has been over the last six years. You know, the things that I think and believe now, even as a black woman, are different from how I thought, you know, eight years ago. So this is, you know, some for some it will be small steps, but at least take the steps. Mm-hmm. And I think one, two things I would say that are so important just is grace. Uh, number one is to yeah. be gracious, and that's everybody that comes to the room commits to be gracious, um, to understand yeah. that you may not understand what someone's saying. It doesn't make it less any truthful. Um, and you may say something that you have grown up believing your entire life because you were taught that, and it might not be right, and someone's going to show you grace. You know, like there is grace in the room, and we are yeah. all sinners, and we are all broken people in need of yeah. Jesus, and so there's grace. I would say the other thing that I feel is so important um, that I think hopefully the generation under me, my children, hopefully um, enough of us will be having this conversation that they might, we might start to see some change in them, is what I want to see is, like we already talked about this, is to not put a, one thing that you think about black people as a whole. Mm, mm-hmm. Or one exactly. thing that if you're, a, if you're um, Latino or, or black or Asian, that you think about white people as a whole. You know, Mm -hmm. because I think, did you say the other day, I I know we just (laughs) talked about this with the school shootings, but you said the other day that that doesn't happen to white people. Which which one? That people don't see one person do something and then put the whole race in. Yeah, it's just different things because um, especially if we start looking at statistics and I don't want to get into, I don't like to get into a whole bunch of statistics because you have a lot of type A people. Uh But let's just say a lot, majority of our violent crime um, are not committed by African-Americans. Most African-Americans are in in jail for nonviolent crimes, especially drug crimes um, through the war on drugs. But um, you, you, when we look at the violent crime statistic proportionately to our society, that is more commonly found in the majority culture, you know, but we don't we don't say that. And I think there's a lot of videos, like there's a lot of things on YouTube where people are doing satires about it. And it's hilarious. Like <laughs> it's some funny stuff. Like they're showing some recent riots at um, college football games and some pro football games. And there was even one at King college uh-huh. in um, 
called the pumpkin. It was the pumpkin riot. And, you know, they were overturning cars, you know, breaking windows. I mean, I mean, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of damage. And rioting is wrong. Either wrong, I don't right. care what color, you know, you are. It's wrong. And we know that. But it just shows you how the narrative, like, you know, they're called unruly kids or just wayward college students or, you know, obsessed fans, you know. But you, the same thing can happen. And it's in a black neighborhood. They're, the first word is thugs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I'm starting to understand the the meaning of that word even more now that it's just because it's only used really describing blacks. Mm-hmm. It's, people see it as like the N word. I saw I read an article the other day, um, probably found it through you, and it had a picture of um, a black male. Um, two different shots. One was just him in street clothes on the on the street, and then one was him in a college football uniform. And they oh, had, yeah. you know, what I'm talking about. They that had was two different narratives. Judy. Yeah, it was called the empathy. My friend Judy, um, 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 I cannot think of her name. It just Womack. I think it's Womack. It just no Dom, Dominic. I cannot think of her last name. But anyway, she is awesome, and um, and she wrote a actual uh, a piece called the empathy gap, and she just gives some examples of um, just how. It, when we see this person, when she describes this person and shows this picture, um, how we don't have empathy. But then when we say he's a college student and all the different things, and that's the exact thing that happened. I don't know if you remember, what's the guy that plays for the Seattle um, Seahawks? Um, I can't think of his name right now. but Sh- Yeah, yeah, Sherwin. Yeah. Um, Sherman. And, um, and so he came out, he was having an interview with the girl, Aaron from uh-huh. ESPN and he was all excited and pumped and he uh-huh. was all, you know, cocky and all that. How guys do when uh-huh. playing football. And I remember uh-huh. seeing that and I was like, okay, he is like over exaggerating, but all the words that came out, they described him as a thug and this and that and all these things. And then the narrative came out because of he, you know, we look at because he had drugs, um, dreads, he was um, actually a football player. So a lot of times we assume that football players are not educated. They didn't finish college. They only got into college because of football. There's a lot of these assumptions that create barriers that, that we have, but then come to find out, you know, he was from what, like South LA, like from Compton. He's from Compton. But then he ended up at a, like Harvard or something. He went to Stanford. Oh yeah. And graduated from Stanford. And didn't he get a master's or something? He has a master's also. Yeah. And Plus, from high school, he graduated with like a four point something, you know. So, but he, but we can put those stereotypes on people. And there's a lot of situations like that. I mean, you look at Ben Watson, football player that plays for the Saints, has been writing these, I mean, beautiful um, Facebook posts, you know, about, you know, issues that are going on in our, our community that, you know, if you when you stereotype football players, you know, we are people. And so it's best to get to know people before you start judging people. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, when we started this, um, Jamie, we had no idea that all these things will start happening. I mean, we started meeting in May. Oh, yeah. And, and a lot has happened. Oh, my goodness. It's like August, July. Like yeah. every time we would meet, it would be another story, mm-hmm. another story. So we didn't even have to kind of force anything it just naturally started happening and i think too what i've learned through this group for the probably the most is what the media does for us and our bias without us even knowing it i mean here i am 37 years old um, mom to four three of them being black i want Mm -hmm. to not have any of these thoughts and I would be lying if I said I didn't have some of them. Right, right. Um, I would be lying if I said that sometimes I don't see a person looks different from me walking down the street and feel mm-hmm. something that is not is not right in me. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, why am I feeling that? And then I'm mm-hmm. sorry. You know, and so th- that's why it's so hard is because we live in this broken, sinful world. And the media portrays people in a way that is not truthful and then the the way that our country generations this is generations this is so deep you know this is so deep that i sometimes look at my children and i'm like you don't have even some of the baggage that i brought to the table you know Mm -hmm. and my Mm -hmm. parents had less baggage and their parents had you know what i mean it's like i feel like hopefully each generation hopefully dear jesus is losing some of that baggage but i think i mean our country is founded on these horrible things and so i think it's going to take years and years and years to erase some of these things 
it's gonna take Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, that is it. I mean, you're so true. It's it is gonna take Jesus because not, there's nothing new under the sun. And these are the things when we when you start looking at the Bible, especially in the New Testament, the things that the the, um, the early church had to battle was these differences that they had, the ethnic differences. So when they started going, you know, um, ministering and taking the gospel to the Gentiles, you know, they were dealing with the different belief systems. And so, you know, you have you know, Paul, like, you know, in, in Colossians and everything, you know, you have barbarians, you have, um, you know, Jews and Greeks and slave and non-slaves and all these people coming together to form the early church. Mm-hmm. And there was so many culture clashes and working through that. So, you know, he's saying, hey, you know, your identity now has to be in Christ, you know? And so that's where our identity has to be. And that's what the lens that we have to see each other through. And that's why I feel like the church is the answer. But a lot of us church, the capital C church, a lot of the believers, we're on the opposite side. We're taking sides. We're taking political sides that can be very um, divisive when we need to be standing on the cross, you know, in, in the middle and, and and saying, hey, you know, this is my brother. This is my sister and viewing each other that way. And these people are broken. So what you regardless of what we saw, even just in Baltimore, you know, that's a community that's dealing with a lot of systemic. I mean, things that. I mean, layer after mm-hmm. layer after layer. I mean, it's it's overwhelming to look at the issues, you know, and you can't separate that from history because no. it's a product of history. Yeah. And so you can't look at that and say, you have to say, you know what? These are broken people who are in need of a savior that loves them unconditionally, you know, and I want to be that bridge, you know, to, to reach out to them and to try to listen and try to understand and not just see a stereotype or not just see a problem child or, you know, um, a, a single mom and make all these assumptions, you know, but I think we just really have to put our ears and get on our knees and pray. And I, and, and I mean, the answer is, but Jesus, you know, but God, you know, and that's where we have to be. And that, my friends, is why I love Tasha. We could just <laughs> go home. That was it. I love it. Everything. Jesus is, yeah. is the answer. Well. You know, you talked about these um, layers and layers and layers, and I, I have told you about this book, and I promise you. Okay, so oh my goodness. last yes. year, Tasha, my book of the year was uh-huh. – um, Oh my gosh, you know the book, Rachel Lloyd. Um, oh, I only yeah, talked yeah. about it every other podcast last year. Okay. Um, okay. With girls the, the, Like Us? Yeah, Girls Like Us. Yeah. By Rachel Lloyd. It was it it is the best book I read in 2014 and it opened my eyes up to sex trafficking more than anything yeah. ever has. So uh-huh. I it's it's our it's only May and I'm gonna mark it down. Book of the year for me for 2015 is the book I just read called Just Mercy by Brian Stevens. You have it right there. Yes. Just Mercy by Brian Stevens. Have you started it? Yes, I started it. Oh, my goodness. I'm only in, like, the third chapter, and I'm telling you. Is it not so good? It's, like, it's it's heart-wrenching in a sense, but it just shows you, like, this dude has the heart of Christ. Like, Mm. you know, and it just. I don't know if he's a believer or not, but he he needs to be because he's doing the work of Jesus, and so he needs to be a follower. Yeah, I, I think he is. Um, I saw his TED Talks, and I think he is. But I'm telling you, there's truth in this. There is so much truth. This book has changed so many things in my brain. And this is not – so this book, I'm going I'm to give everyone a little, a, little, a little feedback about what the book you, is. You it's completely called, finished it. I'm you done. Com- I'm done. I'm done. I loved it. It's called Just Mercy, A Story of Justice and Redemption by Brian Stevenson. And what I love about this book so much is it's the the majority of the book follows one man's story of being wrongly accused, um, convicted, put on death row. Um, so it follows his story throughout the book mainly. But Brian Stevenson also incorporates hundreds of other stories of people that he has um, represented. And he created an organization called the Equal Justice Initiative. And what they do Hold on. Let me just read something from the book real quick. Is that okay? Don't mind me. This is the very end. So this is like page 293. But this. Okay. That's before I get to it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I read this, I thought this sums up the entire book. It says this. And this is when he read, when he met Mrs. Parks, Rosa Parks. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Mrs. Parks. And she asked him about what he does. And this is what he says. He says, well, (laughs) well, this is just, this sums up 
what okay. he does. Okay. And okay. so this was so good for me. He said, well, I have a law project called the Equal Justice Initiative, and we're trying to help people on death row. We're trying to stop the death penalty, actually. We're trying to do something about prison conditions and excessive punishment. We want to free people who've been wrongly convicted. We want to end unfair sentences in criminal cases and stop racial bias in criminal justice. We're trying to help the poor and do something about indigent defense and the fact that people don't get the legal help they need. We're trying to help people who are mentally ill. We're trying to stop them from putting children in adult jails and prisons. We're trying to do something about poverty and the hopelessness that dominates poor communities. We want to see more diversity in decision-making roles in the justice system. We're trying to educate people about racial history and the need for racial justice. We're trying to confront abuse of power by police and prosecutors. That's what he's doing. That's the equal yeah. justice initiative um, that Brian Stevenson part of. And that's what this whole book is basically about. And what I loved it is he talks so much about the justice system here. And it is not just um, about racial issues, but it is poverty. It yeah. is mentally handicapped uh, people who are put in jail death row it is children it is anyone that cannot afford legal help i mean yeah. <laughs> it is crazy yes yes i cannot that, wait I mean, for you to finish this book tasha i know i'm just in just the beginning and i'm like oh my goodness i'm reading this, some of the stories now because you know i I mean, every it seems like every month there's someone being released from jail where DNA evidence yes. has proven that they were innocent. Um, and you think about some of them, most most of them have served time for 25, 30, 40 years, even some cases, 50 years, like their entire life, because the technology that's available now wasn't available then. And then when you start looking at these stories, just because we were the climate in America was so racist during those times. You really, a lot of times, um, especially people of color didn't get a fair trial. Right. And so basically if Jim Bob said you did it, you did it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? That is so true. And, you know, and then for so many cases that, you know, there's so many innocent lives that have been taken because, um, due to that. And I, his heart to go and fight for. And when you start hearing, you know, some of the people what they're on death roll and like the years that they were, um, the year that was kid committed, like a couple of these were in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And and you're like, oh, my goodness, like I was here in the 80s. Like, this is not something we're talking about 50s and 60s, you know. No, that's but, why I texted you the yeah, other day to ask you if you yeah. knew about something. I saw that when you texted what me. What was it? The Confederate. Uh, the Confederate Day that's in um, in Alabama. I think they have a, yes. a parallel day and stuff. We're not going to get into that right no, now. We're not. <laughs> but um, but I was just I wasn't surprised about it. But you know because I know my friend talks about Klan rallies. You know in the nineties in the the early nineties and mid nineties. You know in Florida and then the issues in Forsyth County, like in Georgia. Um, that that Oprah several years ago mm -hmm. put on her um, screen. But when you start looking at the history of this, Jamie, you know, I am a history nerd and buff. <laughs> like when you start looking at the history of a lot of these places, you start really seeing like how history connects to the present day. And um, like a lot of these counties had like some of the worst lynchings and mm. different things like that. And so when I see like, you know, these, you know, someone put, you know, on death row because someone else that wasn't reliable said that they did something because especially with the whole interracial mm -hmm. marriage thing, that oh, was a big deal in the South. That was yes. a big deal in the South. And there's so many laws that came out of Jim Crow and segregation time. That Let me kind tell of, you like, one right here, Tasha. Okay. I could not believe this when I read this. It says, even though the restriction couldn't be enforced under the federal law, the state ban on interracial marriage in Alabama yes. continued into the 21st century. Yes. In the year 2000. We're talking 15 <laughs> years ago. <clears throat> Everybody listening to this podcast was born, okay? In yes. the year 2000, reformers finally had enough votes to get the issue on the statewide ballot, where a majority of voters chose to eliminate the ban. Although... 41% voted 41%. to keep it. 41% of the people in the state of Alabama in the year of 2000 said there should still be a ban on interracial marriage. I could not believe that. It says and that's what we're dealing with. Yes. It says a 2011 poll of Mississippi Republicans found that 46% support a legal ban on interracial marriage, 40% oppose, and 14% are undecided. And this is the Bible Belt. <laughs> 
This is 2011. 2011, 2000. This is the Bible Belt. And that's why, come Lord Jesus, come. (laughs) You know? It is. It really is. He has to really, we have a lot of blind spots. But let me tell you, I want to say this. There is hope. You know, um, and I and I've been saying this, there's a lot of tragedy going on. We can, you know, the statistics look bad. I mean, um, even when I look at um, issues, you know, that fight the um, the black community and um, just the American are um, here in America, there's hope. You know, there's a lot of tragedy, but there's hope. And a lot of times it's the tragedy that draws you in and, you know, and gets people to start thinking about it, you know, and um, engaging in it, you know. And then it's the hope that keeps you. Because if you don't sense hope, you'll just want to close your eyes and curl up in a ball and not want to deal with it. But let me tell you, since we've been doing, um, having these conversations, I've seen transformation in people's heart. Um, and, and this is the thing, we can't do it. Our words, even on this podcast, can't do it. It's the Holy Spirit that has to do it. He has to go before us and he's the one that changes and transforms hearts. And I've seen it done. And I'm I'm hearing people um, that are doing groups all over this country that are taking the first step to invite people in their homes that are of a different race. You know, churches now starting to have the conversation. I mean, the Southern Baptist Church, you know, has spoken out, you know, against and Russell Moore has done Mm -hmm. some incredible, wrote some incredible pieces, you know, about unity and reconciliation. So God is doing it. And I mean, all this stuff to me is coming to the forefront so that we can't deny it any longer. We have to lay it all out. That's good. You know, acknowledge Mm -hmm. it and move forward. Yeah. Tasha, that's that's one of my favorite things about you is that we're talking about all these awful things and then you're you're always so so quick to be like, but it's about Jesus, and there is hope, and He is our only solution, and it's so true. And and I also like how you told reminded us this is not just started when America was founded. This has been going on since the beginning of time, yeah. and this doesn't just exist in America. There are racial divisions, religious divisions. All and over our world, and they're protesting in Israel now. The um, Ethiopian Jews. Uh, I, I've done some research on that, and but it it shouldn't surprise you because when you look at just the Jewish culture, I mean, when we read scripture, you know, like God had to deal with their prejudice against other people. Mm-hmm. You know, we're God's chosen. You are just everyone else is heathens. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and so, but these are Ethiopian Jews that look different, mm-hmm. um, and how they're having their fight now. Yeah. Uh, um, over there. So it's a lot of prayer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And let us all be quick to acknowledge our sin as well. I mean, yeah. that's what I want. That's what I'm asking God to show me is, although I want to be a part of this conversation so greatly. I mean, I've said this to you before. I'm very ashamed that this would not be as big a deal to me if I didn't have black children. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just being completely honest. Um, yeah. But it is a big deal to me. Um, but yeah. I also want to still acknowledge where prejudice is lie in my heart, you know, yeah. and still work on them. So and Man. I think that's part of the whole um, confession, yeah. you know, and in and, and the in the guide, I guess you'll mention that to us in a little bit. But the um, there's a session, a, a section on confession because we all have prejudices. So anybody, even the work that I'm doing as a reconciler, I would lie to say I don't have prejudice. For sure. You know, but the thing is, those are being exposed to me every day. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to think like that. I don't mm-hmm. want to have that thought, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so just having him remove it because I want, hey, look, that person is created in his image and I need to view them in that way. So I think calling those things out in our personal life, doing that, per, you know, doing reconciling with mm-hmm. ourselves, you mm-hmm. know, um, helps us to reconcile with other people. Want to be awesome when we're in heaven and we don't even have these thoughts anymore. I know. And that's why, Jamie, we have to get it right because, you know, we want a little heaven on earth. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm like, do people think when we get to heaven that there's going to be a um, um, a south side, a west side, <laughs> a Asian side, that's a Latino so side? I was like, we better start getting things together down here, right? Right. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Okay, I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna I'm gonna close this up real quick, but I'm I'm gonna okay. do a little confession here real quick. Okay. Tasha, the other what? day. Oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed, and I'm gonna tell the whole world because that's how embarrassed I am. Oh my god. We're watching the Bible series. You know uh-huh. that came on TV. 
Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And my oldest, Caden, who's biological, we're talking about it, and we're saying how Jesus didn't really look like they're portraying him on TV. You know, they did a better mm-hmm. job than I've seen in some other movies, but yeah. let's just be honest. He, he probably did not look like that because... Um, we just don't know. Yeah. Right. But, you know, where who where who he was, his ethnicity, mm-hmm. everything. So we're telling this to our kids, and, oh, here it comes. I'm so embarrassed, Tasha. Caden mm-hmm. looked at him. He goes, oh, gosh, I'm going to say it. He goes, wait, <laughs> Jesus wasn't white? I was like, oh. Aaron and I looked at each other, and I could have died. I was like, oh, we have failed our children. They think that Jesus is white. Well, only my white child thinks that, obviously. This is, this is exactly, he thinks, you know, he's got the white privilege. Jesus looked just like him. Oh, my gosh. But that's just our Western culture. I mean, how we portray it. I so mean, we cleared it up. Don't worry, y'all. We cleared yeah. it all up. And we talked about, you know, the people in Jesus' time, where they grew up, and that side of the world do not look yeah. like us. Oh, my yeah. gracious. I think people would probably, uh, I think a lot of people, if we probably knew what Jesus really looked like, he probably would have been discriminated against. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, he was. Yes. Hello. <laughs> he, you oh. know, he was, like, he was like, you're a Nazarene. Uh-huh. You know, you're We're from- like, actually, he looked a little bit more like your brother. <laughs> Not yeah. you at all. So there you go. Yeah, you're a Nazarene. Oh. Okay, Tasha, if someone wants to start this group, okay. um, do they go to LatashaMorrison.com or is there another place? Well, actually, one of the things that you can do is if you can go to LatashaMorrison.com and you can email me at Tasha at um, LatashaMorrison.com. And there's a guide um, that um, If Gathering actually helped put together. And that can be found on my Facebook page. Right now, I'm in because I'm in the startup phase, a lot of stuff is coming. So we're developing a website and some other things where things would be a little easier um, to get to. But um, you can download the guide from the if, um, ifgathering.com website or either from my website, which is latashamorrison.com, and really start looking at that guide and start praying about who would you want to have this conversation with. Um, you can also join the B2B. Um, Facebook group, and that's where a lot of the conversations and stuff is happening. Um, we're going to start reading this book together. Look, Jamie, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think everybody needs to read this book, and so this is going to be one of the books that um, I want to do kind of like a book club with and um, just have people read that, and I think that's a great starting point. Um, and another book I would recommend for people, if you just want to start, is get the book Divided by Faith. Um, I think that's a gives a great foundation, you know, on what the church is, the issues in the church and why the church needs to look different and why we really need um, racial unity. And it starts with the church. That's so great. Um, yeah. I'm going to if you're working out while you're listening to this or driving or doing dishes, whatever, I am going to put all these links up on my website, jamieiv.com. And uh, everything Tasha just mentioned about where you can get um, the downloadable stuff, all that kind of stuff. Join the Facebook group. That's a great place to start, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The Facebook group is a great place. And then um, I'm also probably a blog will go out tomorrow. Um, the videos from If Gathering from us having the table dialogue. Oh, yeah. They are actually, um, I'm going to put those out tomorrow. They're actually on, on Vimeo now. Okay. Uh, you know, so they Maybe were I'll link to some of those as well. Yeah. What are the three things you're loving these days? Okay. I was about to say, I want the fun stuff. I know. We we got so deep for so long, but here comes the fun stuff. Okay. Okay. I'm about to be really shallow because- uh, No, no, no. There's no shallow in what you're loving. My world is always so deep. And so sometimes I need an escape. And so the thing that I'm loving right now, I, I pride myself in not being a reality TV junkie. Like I don't watch reality TV, but a coworker told me about this show called Married at First Sight. Uh-oh, what's this? And it's so good. It's on the, um, it comes on, um, what's that channel called? Um, A&E. Okay. A&E channel. Not the Bet channel. No, not the bet channel. This is not the bet channel. <laughs> but married the, at first sight. Married at first sight. And it basically follows three families. They're up north. And so they, all these um, therapists and counselors kind of match them together based off of information and, you know, just a lot of stuff that they fill out. And they where they meet is when they get married. Mm-mm. No. Yes. No. <laughs> no, but it's so good. Like they no. sign up to do this? Yes, people sign up to do it. And like 
most of the time, the couple that does, they don't like each other at first are the ones that seems like they make it. But this is the second season. In the first season, two of, it was three couples. Two of the couples are still together, doing well. One couple got divorced. It had to be the black couple, too. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then on this season, there's, there's three. And they're um, and so they're going through the you know and the counselors are chiming in, telling them like, like they know each of the people like what they need to do to communicate and different things, and they have access to all the counselors, and so they go on their honeymoon, and um, then they come back and they have to move in together, and they've only known the person like two or three weeks, and then so they have to do this experiment for a certain amount of time, and then at the end of the experiment, they have to decide whether they want to stay married or if they want to divorce. Oh. Oh my gracious! Would you ever, would you ever do that? No, no, <laughs> no. no. Living through, I can live through them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I really like that show. I guess it just gives me that um, that escape. And the other thing that I'm loving, I'm loving the work that um, God's called me to do. I would say um, I love being a bridge builder, and I'm loving the opportunities that He's. Um, you know, bring him my way. But you're yeah, made for but. that. You're so good at this. <laughs> you're so good at it. But I wanted my shallow part where I can get to talk about TV shows that I'm watching. You didn't. You didn't. Say, you know, I was waiting for that part. <laughs> no. What? Anything else you're loving? Well, um, The Voice right now. Have you seen The Voice? You know, I watched it, I think, the very first season that ever came on because that's when I worked at the radio station and someone came on our show that was on The Voice. And so I watched it. I have not watched it since, but I hear great things about it. You know what? It's so good. I, I cannot believe you're watch, You're not watching that. So what are you watching that I'm watching? Uh, well, you know I'm watching Scandal still. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> I have to watch Scandal and Spurts. Like, I have to record it because it's so intense and it gets my anxiety going. So I have to record it so that I can fast forward it or even things, know what's going to happen. A few things have happened recently that I have said I am done. <laughs> I am done with this show. It has gone too far in a few areas that make me a little uncomfortable and I'm done. Um, <laughs> and then you watch it again. And then I can't stop. Aaron quit. He watched it like three episodes ago. He looked at me. He said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I'm never watching this show again. And so I, it's one of those things yeah, I'm not a that gladi. I don't really even care about anymore. I honestly don't. The very first season when Olivia solved problems, I liked it. Yes. <laughs> it, it. It's too much. I don't like It's too much drama now. I don't like it. It's a lot of drama and a lot of daddy issues. Oh, my goodness. Too much. Can't handle it. <laughs> it's too um, it's too much. <laughs> I'm watching Nashville, but I'm behind on the scene there. You know, you know what? I have never watched an episode. I just and started. I, it looks really good. It looks really good, but I have never watched an episode of Nashville. Me neither. You know? I mean, no, I hadn't until just a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I'm new to the But the game. cool thing now, you can go back and get caught up on a lot of things. Yeah, it's all know? on Hulu. So I can, you know, every week I'll probably watch like three episodes or something. Christina you know? Aguilera is on there. Like she has a, a role on there right now. Oh, see, I'm way behind. I'm still in the first oh, season. You, you know what? Oh, you're you, you not, <laughs> you're way behind. I am way behind. <laughs> yeah, she's on the new season right now. She had, I don't know what her role is, but she's on there. Okay, so. speaking of The Voice, it's Blake Shelton, Christina Aguilera, and... Um, Maroon 5. So, uh, what's his name? It, no, Pharrell. Pharrell Williams and then Adam Levine. Adam oh, Levine. Man, to get with it. Get with it. Okay. Is Blake Shelton still on there? Yeah, Blake Shelton is still on there. He, I love the chemistry of, I mean, they've done a great job with the chemistry of the, their judges because even when they bring in um, um, Usher and um, the other, what's the other girl? I can't think of her name. It just left me. The blonde hair. I can't think of her. She's not, another not, one. I don't know. Um, but she was just on there as a guest last week. But they have a really good chemistry and they just have fun. And it's about the contestants and it's about developing in them and motivating them. And it's not about putting them down. And mm-hmm. so I really love the encouragement. And Pharrell, I would say, is probably one of the best encouragers on there. Uh, one time, yeah. a couple Christmases ago, well, a long time ago, because we still lived in Nashville, my brother gave me an, an Usher live video for Christmas. <laughs> Girl, I watched the first 10 minutes. I had to turn it off. I told him, Jordan, this is this is not good for me. I do not need to be watching this. And so I never finished it. It was a little too much for this married Usher woman. Been around for a while. And let me tell you, that whole thing, like, Usher's like, 
early 40s, and so is Pharrell. And people think like, oh, they just, you know, think Pharrell just came on the scene when he came up with Happy. I'm like, Pharrell has been around for a long time. Like, he's been around, but they just youthfulness. Mm-hmm. You remember I told y'all black don't crack? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so of all those boys on there, who's the cutest to you? Which one out of? Um, Blake, Adam, Pharrell. Oh, wait, is that oh, it? Yeah, right yeah, now. Well, you when Usher's on there and then CeeLo is on there sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm not going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but, Who's the cutest? I, I would say, see, they're short. Oh, yeah, you're tall. Well, Usher's, Usher's, Usher's kind of tall. I think he's tall. But I would say, of course, Pharrell. And then I would say Adam Levine. Because mm-hmm. I think people would say... You're, I'm taking your woman card if you don't say Adam Levine. <laughs> right. But Blake is the sweetest thing. His little country voice. I don't necessarily like his music. I know people are going to boo me because of that. No. But um, I don't necessarily like his music. But I like him so much that I'm starting to like his music. Mm, yeah. Because I like him <laughs> as a person. And him and Miranda yes. together are so cute. Yeah. I don't like her music either. <laughs> you don't like country music, do you? No, no, I do like some country. Like I love, um, I love Rascal Flatts. I love mm-hmm. the pop country. Like you like Carol- the new country, yeah. Yeah, I like the new country. I'm not the old country girl yeah. unless it's soulful. Like yeah. if it's soulful country, I like that. But you know, hey, yeah. I have a lot of I have a lot of different music on my um, on my iPod, and that's where you can start too. There you See, go. My iPod is very diverse. Mm-hmm. You know, is your iPod music segregated? That's the question to answer, everybody. That is the question. <laughs> Go through your music. You got any black people? You got any white people? Exactly. You got any country music, hip-hop? Mm-hmm. Get some Zumba, some Latino See? going on, you know? <laughs> You've been doing Zumba, haven't you? Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's been doing me. I've been having an um, a, a ankle injury. I have Achilles tendonitis. Oh, and so it's put me out. I had an injury um, back in 2008, but I like to say how I got my injury. So say, how did you get your injury? How'd you get your injury? I heard it playing a, in a women's league of flag football. Oh, that's a good thing. To, that's a good way you know to go out, saying? though. Yes. And so, yeah, we had two championship rings. Hey, look at um, but I'm getting old, and so I'm gonna. I'm doing cycling now. So every time I have injured myself as a grown woman, it's been doing something grown women shouldn't be doing, like playing a kickball league or flag. It's just I'm getting too old. Yeah, my body cannot be doing what twenty year olds do. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. So, I know. Okay, yeah. Tasha. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Jamie. So wonderful. I love our conversation. It's it is deep. It is inspiring. It is encouraging. It is stressful sometimes but it is hopeful yes. you know yes yes yeah. and so if you're listening we listed a bunch of links i'm gonna put them all up at jamieivy.com you can check it out there so tasha thank you okay girl have a good day <laughs> okay you too bye. talk to you bye-bye well there is tasha i told you you would enjoy our conversation today we listed a ton of links and so don't stress out i'm going to have them all over on my website jamieivy.com her website latashamorrison.com you might be able to remember ifgathering.com um there's a facebook group that she talked about that would be awesome if you're interested in joining and having great conversations about race i will put all of those links over my website jamieivy.com and there it is I want to say thank you to Fund the Nations for sponsoring this podcast if you're interested in sponsoring a show send me an email and I'd love to chat with you about it jamie at aaronivy.com guys thanks for listening thank you so much for all of your posts and on Instagram your pictures I love them so much I want to say thank you to Shelly Penland Heck over on Instagram she took a picture of my show and then she left a great comment about how she'd never listened to podcasts before and then she found my show when I had Emily Lexon of Jones Designs Company which was just a great podcast if you haven't listened to it it's the last two episodes before this one but she said she loved it she loved everything about it she said this kind of everything about her style of chatting interviewing is my jam she said about me thank you so much that's so nice um i'm so glad you found it and she said she binge watched all of them just like you would binge watch parenthood well i guess she didn't binge watch them she binge listened to them there you go okay i'm getting my words all mixed up here guys thanks for listening i've got some great guests coming up from you shannon martin's coming Winter Pitts, Jesse Connolly, Emily Freeman. Lots of great guests are coming up for you. So thanks for coming to the happy hour today. I hope you have a great week. I hope you're enjoying summer. I hope that you're enjoying life. If you have guest ideas for me, send me a tweet, send me an email. Love to hear from you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. Always
back